There are certain truths that I have learned in 57 years, and you've learned some truths in your lifetime. Like ice cream is good for you. That's, that should be a foundational part of your life. Ice cream is good for you. I'm going to give you one or two more, and then I want you to share some with me. Uh, no man has ever been shot while doing the dishes. Just something you should know if, if, if you're... A truth that you've learned that you know that you want to share? I've got plenty. Chocolate has no calories. Chocolate has no calories. I think that's absolutely scientifically proven. There are no calories in chocolate. And this is a great time of year to learn that. Sir? The varsity is good for you. We're all distracted now. We all want to go to the varsity, don't we? Uh, so you know these truths. Let's see. Here's some more. Uh, never make a steak knife. Uh, if you think nobody cares whether you're alive or dead, try missing a couple of mortgage payments. Before you criticize someone, you should walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you criticize them, you're a mile away and you have their shoes. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. That's true. A closed mouth gathers no foot. There are two excellent theories for arguing with women, and neither one works. I didn't like that one when Bill Hall did. Today, as part of the Christmas story, and this is a serious one, we're going to look at one of the greatest truths we can ever learn. And so that's what we're doing today. Before we go there, let's pray to God. Lord God, thank you for joy and laughter. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for this life that sometimes is very difficult. Thank you for good days and bad days. Thank you for opportunities and thank you for difficulties. And thank you for the truth that we see today that will help us through each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to read very familiar scripture from Luke chapter 1 beginning verse 26. And in this section we find one of the greatest truths you will ever, ever learn. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You'll name him Jesus. He'll be great, will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He'll be called Son of God. 
And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. I'm not going to tell you anything new today. There are a lot of great truths in that section of scripture. We'll focus on one in a moment. You know Mary was a young woman, I think, I think that's 15, 16, and Gabriel appears and tells her the news, and scripture says Mary was perplexed. Other versions say confused or disturbed. Can you imagine? You ever wish you could see an angel? You ever wish for an angelic visit? Maybe for comfort or assurance or direction? You wouldn't want to visit like this one. This one is shocking. Mary, a virgin, would give birth to God's Son, the Messiah. Wednesday night, we looked at verses about the birth of Jesus. And one of them we talked about was in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. These words were written. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child, shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. You know that was written 700 years before Gabriel visited Mary. We talked about this Wednesday night about how staggering that would be to predict something that would happen 700 years from now as this world continues. Or somebody in the year 1316 was predicting something to happen today. Can you predict something seven days from now, seven months, seven years, but 700 years? It's amazing. As I read from Isaiah, I wonder if Mary knew the prophecy. No doubt she was a good Jewish girl from a good Jewish family, but at the time women were not so much in the loop as the men were about the scriptures. We don't know if Mary could read at the time. A lot of times the men would be taught, not the women. But maybe Mary overheard conversation. Maybe as her family talked about the Messiah, she was privy to some of the conversations. Maybe she knew the words. But when Gabriel came to her, she had to be shocked. Perplexed was a good description, I think. And so Mary asked an honest question in verse 34. She said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? How can I have a baby? So Gabriel talks to young Mary about the Holy Spirit. And then as a sign, he says, and by the way, your cousin Elizabeth, old Baron, is also in her second trimester. But in verse 37, part of his answer, we find a gift for us 2,000 years later. One of the foundational truths that we have to build our lives upon. Luke 1, 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Say that with me. For nothing will be impossible with God. That's true. Mary learned that great truth. And we should too. A couple of weeks ago I asked you to pray for Jessica Schmidt. A church member in the church in Indiana that we were at for 15 years. I watched her grow up. I married her. Watched her have two children. Her dad was one of my best friends, and she was in University Hospital in Cincinnati, 
uh, in critical condition. When her dad called me, uh, he was in tears. He said, David, I just talked to the doctor, and we asked, is she going to have to make a lot of life changes? And the doctor said, we're not concerned about that. We don't know if she'll make it through the night. And so I talked to him on my cell phone, pulling into church two weeks ago today, and we both cried, and I asked you to pray for Jessica. Uh, the news goes from bad to worse when the doctor tells pancreatitis that her pancreas is destroyed. Well, that's not a good thing. You kind of need it. Jessica took a turn for the better and went home last Sunday. I talked to her on the phone this week, and the doctor went from her pancreas is destroyed to we can't find a scar or any damage on her pancreas. There's nothing wrong with it. that's not a word, but I just made a butcher of the English language. A pancreas is not supposed to regenerate itself. Not supposed to happen. Jessica will go back to work in a couple of weeks. For nothing will be impossible with God. And I don't know what you might be thinking, because it's happened to me too. We've had loved ones die of pancreatitis or cancer or something. And sometimes we see prayers answered in miraculous ways, and other times it doesn't work out that way. And we scratch our heads and we wonder why this one is rescued and this one is not. Not all of my prayers are answered in a way that I understand. But there's a great danger if we're not careful. When our prayers are not answered the way we want, when our loved one is not healed, we tend to quit praying and to quit asking, and we start to believe that, well, things just happen. And we forget the truth of Luke 1.37. Satan tries to deceive us and discourage us, but we must never give up. We must always cling to the truth, and we should build our lives around the fact that for nothing will be impossible with God. I've seen God do so much that I don't believe in the impossible anymore. There are so many stories from my childhood, but I'll begin as newlyweds, 1983. We were broke. Were you broke when you were first married? We were just broke. I remember when our first child, Taylor, came along counting change to go buy diapers. We were broke. So we're newly married, and we're in Starkville, Mississippi, and Jeannie makes an orthodontist appointment for me. I'd avoided the orthodontist all of my childhood, and she wanted to fix me. She's been wanting to fix me for a long time, but that was, she started with the teeth area there. And so she went to, we went to an orthodontist in Starkville, Mississippi, Dr. Bill Eastman, who's an all-American football player with Georgia Tech, a defensive back on their all-century team, a wonderful man. And so he looked at me and decided what he needed to do. Dr. Eastman's wife, a Methodist, her father was a Methodist pastor, and we were broke. And their 
there were convenient payment plans that if you had kids with braces, they made convenient payment plans. Dr. Eastman made a convenient payment plan for us. He gave us braces for free. Now, that was a big deal. Was it God taking care of us? I think so. Because nothing is impossible with God. You look back at your family, at the history, at the things that have happened, and how God has taken care of you. Uh, our son Taylor moved to Colorado Springs in August of 2009. He was in love, and he was engaged, and he also was broke. So he puts all his worldly possessions in this little Honda Civic, and he leaves Indiana driving to Colorado. Stephanie was living with family, and so they found an apartment, and so Tyler was moving into the apartment that she would move to after they were married, and he didn't have a job. And when he left, he didn't have very much money in his pocket. And so he also had a fiance, and he had a father who was perplexed. I remember watching him leave the driveway thinking, what is going to happen? He's got a wedding coming up. He's moving. There's no job. Well, he gets a job at Best Buy, which doesn't sound like the greatest career move in the world, starting to feed a family. And they stick him in the Apple computer section because he grew up with Apple computers. And then he got the attention of the people at Apple, and they hired him away from Best Buy. And because he knew Apple so well, Dave Ramsey hired him to help run customer service for a program in Nashville when they moved there. And now he has a great job with Dave Ramsey. And he got there from driving a little car with all those possessions in 2009 to this. And all along the way, he had a truth in his life that he needed to remind his father. For nothing is impossible with God. Don't we worry about our kids and our grandkids and our lives and all sorts of things. And then later on God goes, <laughs> remember when, what you were thinking? Remember how that was? With God, nothing is impossible. Let me share with you a couple of other Old Testament verses that, well, maybe Barry heard. But they're for us today. Psalm 37, verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. God will take care of you, because there's nothing impossible for Him. You're also likely familiar with these verses. Maybe Mary was too. The truth from Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Maybe you've committed these to your memory. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Don't give up. Don't. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever keeps you up at night, remember the truth. With God, nothing, nothing, nothing. 